You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning, Connection Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Pretty good. Hey, my name is Bo Fordham. I'm the outreach pastor at Connection. And I uh, just wanted to come up and, and share with you today. I'm During worship, I was, just, I, was, I was overcome. I was overcome with the spirit. Just so many emotions going on this week in this country. Just so much, so much going on. And, and people are asking why. You know, people are asking why. And, and when you just get right down to it, the, the answer is sin. That's what's going on. It's the sin. It's, it's how the devil just distorts our minds, distorts our hearts, and, and, and puts these things in, in, in people. And uh, our, our prayers go out to the families, the families of the police officers, the families of the two young men. Um, that, that have lost their lives. And um, I want to read something. I, God hit me with it this morning, and um, it, it's not our main text today, but it just ties in so well, and, and I think it fits perfectly with what's going on. It's, it's Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 and 40. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, and he's speaking to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's the answer. That's the answer. When we give ourselves totally to God and God transforms our hearts, then we are able to love our neighbors. And that's what's going to cut this kind of stuff out. That's what's going to cut this stuff out in this country, in our communities, and in this world. So we do. We, do. we, want, to, we want to pray. So, so my, my heart is heavy. My heart is sad for that. Also, my heart's rejoicing. We always should be ready to rejoice, celebrating the, uh, the lives of two new Kids in this church here, young Danny and, and Payson, is that right? I, I almost said Paycoon or something like that. But anyway, we do. We welcome them. We as a church, y'all, we, we want to bring these kids up in the ways of the Lord. We, we, are, we are accountable. We are accountable for everyone's children. And, uh, and it's, just, it, it's just, man, it's just so refreshing when you see new life, when, when the anticipation of a mother and a, and a dad and you get to see that, that life being born. It's just, just a great thing. Um, we're starting a new series today. It's called uh, God Honestly. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at, you know, just a transparent and authentic look of, of what it means, what it means to have a relationship with God. And uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 63 this morning. For, for those of you that have your Bible, your, your apps, or whatever you want to turn to, if not, we're going to have it on the screen in just a minute. And uh, but I'm going to give you a little background first. Um, uh, in this song, we, we, we can learn, you know, th- through rough times, uh, the, through the rough times that David has, that, that we can't have a relationship with God and, and that we should. Um, maybe uh, you ever had to leave somewhere in a hurry? Maybe, you know, you were probably somewhere you shouldn't have been, and so you had to get out of there. Or, or maybe uh, here's one that happened to me is uh, um, I was at a, at a friend's house. I said, come on over. We're going to have a party. Mom and daddy's gone. The whole crowd gets there, and we start partying, and then mom and daddy show back up home early. Now, you talking about scattering? There wasn't nobody left there in just a few minutes. 
And uh, or how about this? Have you ever been forced to leave? Have you ever been forced to leave somewhere? I know I was. Um, when I was a young man, and I, still today, my dad planted a big old garden. Man, he just planted so much. He planted enough for the whole community. And my dad would always offer, you know, to people, come over and get, come over, get some beans, get you some corn, get you some whatever that was going on. But he would tell all these people that some would come, but most of the time they wouldn't. And so we just had this abundance. So my daddy wasn't for wasting nothing. We had to get out there and pick it. You know, we'd already have all we needed, but we had to pick it. But it was getting corn. Corn was getting ready. And I know up in Millen, nobody puts up corn, right? And, uh, but it was. It was getting that time of the year. The corn was getting ready. And when it got just right, when daddy would take his fingers, you know, and, and shuck it back, and, and, and it would be in that milking stage, you know, just right for creaming that good old silver queen, then we, we, you dropped whatever you were doing, and you made plans, and that's what we did. And so we got up early that morning, and my dad would always help us pick it. You know, we'd pick it, and y'all, I'm not talking about two or 300 ears. I'm talking about a whole F-150 piled up as high as the back glass full of corn. And we'd, we'd get it all picked, and then we'd get under the shelter, and we'd start shucking it. Well, as we started doing that, all of a sudden, my daddy, he'd be like, yep, well, I better get on up to the farm and see what's going on up there. Got to get these hogs fed and all this other kind of stuff. So daddy would leave mama and me and my brother and sister to put up this corn every year, every year. So we were sitting there, like, and we went through it, and we shucked, and we shucked, and we silked, and we silked, and it got down where I was silking. All the shucking was done. My mama was creaming. My little brother was up trying. He wasn't much help. He still ain't much help today. But uh, he was trying, and he was trying to, to cut the corn, you know. And we had a radio. And this, it was G105 from Meadow, Georgia. I still remember the, the, uh, the radio station. And every, it seemed like every 10 minutes, this commercial would come on. It was Superior Muffler. And it'd say something like this, Superior, Superior Muffler. I ain't no singer. Might have to get you up here, Drew, to help me with this. But it was just a little jingle, and it was corny, and it was aggravating. But it would come, they'd play one good song, and then they'd have these commercials. And, it, and I'd start singing it. Then my brother started singing it. Then my sister started singing it. And after about the probably 300th time that day while we were working, corn, Mama had enough. My brother sung it, and she done told us, all right, I've had enough with the singing. We got to finish this up, and we got to get done. Well, I don't really know what Mama was going through. But all of a sudden, when I started singing that, my brother got backhanded off the sink. A big pot of corn went on the floor. A corn cutter whisked by my head along with a tea glass. I knew it was time to go. I had to get out of there in a hurry. And we did. She run us all out of the house. Boy, my mama hears me talking about this. She's going to get me. But it was the truth. But we ran out. We ran out to the edge of the woods. And we waited. And we waited. And we waited. Till daddy got home where we could kind of explain what went on and get us back into the house because mama had had enough. Well, this is kind of what happened to David when we're talking about this this morning. He was forced to leave. He was forced to leave. What's going on is, let me give you a little more background. This week, if you want to, it's in, it's in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. You can, you can read all the story and, and all the, the history and everything that went on with this that's going to that's gonna correlate with, uh, with Psalm 63. But David had a son. His name was Absalom. And Absalom was uh, plotting against him. Absalom wanted to overthrow him. He wanted to be the king. And uh, so that's what he did. He, he started working the people. And um, 
they were going to overthrow David. So some of David's people get to him and tell him, and David said, we got to get out of here. we got to get out of here quick. It'll be the best for Jerusalem and be the best for us if we get gone. So they left. They not only left their house, they left the city. They went out across the Mount of Islands and, and into the wilderness. Now, when we talk about a wilderness or a desert in the Bible, it is it's actually the same word that, that means this. And it doesn't always mean that it's just absolutely sand and barren and rocks. What it, it, it means also is there was a portion of, of the property, a portion of the land that, that wasn't fit for agriculture. Main reason because there wasn't enough water. There wasn't a water supply. And so, um, and in this particular, the Judean uh, wilderness, it was made of chalk. And uh, crops wouldn't grow there anyway. But grass would certain times of the year during the rainy season. That was usually through April to October. They get from 4 to 14 inches of rain in that area. So I'm giving you all a little history of what's going on here. All right, so you could, it, it could be used for pasture land, but it was still mostly barren. There was a lot of ravines and stuff like that. And it was... Um, it was to, it was As you left Jerusalem, you would go east, you'd go up a big ridge of mountains, the Judean mountains, and then the wilderness was the fall off and the steep slope that ran down to the Dead Sea. So that, that's where it was, just to, give you, just to give you an idea. So David escapes, and they are in the wilderness. And um, so that's where we're at. I'm going to pray this morning. We'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the Word, and we'll, we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we, we thank you for this day. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are. Dear Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Dear Lord, our hearts are heavy. Our hearts are heavy this morning, Lord, with, with what's going on in, in this country. Dear Lord, we just ask that people come to know you, dear Lord. Just use whatever means necessary, dear Lord, to bring them to you, dear Lord. And, and we just pray for all those concerned and all the families. Dear Lord, we rejoice. In, in our new additions here at Connection in Millen, dear Lord. I just thank you for each and every one that's here. Dear Lord, just ask now, dear Lord, that you just uh, use me if you will. Dear Lord, just let not one word come from my mouth that not come from you, dear Lord. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to read Psalm 63 and we'll get rolling. It says, starting with verse 1, and this is a psalm that David wrote while he was in the wilderness of Judea. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in, dry, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because, of your, steadfast, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My, dear Lord, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life, they shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. When we're looking at this, David's in a bad situation. You know, he, he, he's, been, he's been run out of town. Um, his son, you know, Absalom, is, is looking to overthrow him. And, and Absalom, let, let's talk about him just a little bit. 
He, he, was, he was a lot like David. He, he was, they, they say he was a good-looking guy. He was very charismatic. He was good-looking. And he, and he had a way with people. He did. But like his father. His father did too. But Absalom liked to take bad advice. He, he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen well. He, he wanted to follow his own selfish desires. Unlike David, who was, we know David, is a, David's one that, you know, hit Goliath in the head with the rock, you know, the flat rock. I, boy, I can just picture that. <laughs> I mean, just bam. I love that vision of seeing that smooth rock hitting that giant in the head. I just do. Then him falling down and David running up, pulling the sword, cutting off Goliath's head. You know, you, you don't talk about our God. That's what David said. David, David knew this. How did David learn how to do this? David had been in the wilderness before. This was not David's first rodeo. He grew up basically in the, in the wilderness. He was the son of Jesse. Jesse owned sheep. David was the little shepherd boy for him. That's what he did. That was his job. So he had been in this wilderness before. David knew where the waters were in the desert. He knew how to find it. No matter how dry land is, there's always water. Now, they said in, in, in the Judean wilderness, there was five places for water. Three of them were natural. It was runoff from when it did rain. That was their part of the year. And then there were two wells that were, that were dug by man. So we know that, that, um, that, that David knew this. David knew how to work it. That's where he learned. That's where, hey, think about it. David's out there in that desert at night. There's no lights. You ever been anywhere where there's no lights and you look up and see the stars? He can see the majesty of what God had created. That's how he started developing that relationship with God. That's where he learned how to sling that slingshot, you know, and become a man and protect the flocks, protect the sheep that were following him, and he would lead them to water and he would lead them to these pastures. And so David had been in there before. He had been in the desert before. He, he, wasn't, a, he wasn't a stranger to it. We as Christians, we, we've all been in the desert, have we not? And if you hadn't, you're either coming out of it or, you, or you're fixing to go into it. Sometime or another. Sometime or another. It, it will happen. So David had been there. David had been there. He'd also been there when he was fleeing from Saul. At this point in David's life, he's already, he is the king. He's not only just anointed by God, but he was actually the physical king of Jerusalem. So, um, he, but the second time he had been there, he, he was fleeing from Saul. He could have... He could have killed Saul. David had the power. David had the know-how. David had the strength and numbers. David could have took Saul's life at any time, but because Saul was his king and that God had appointed um, Saul to be king, he wouldn't do it, so he waited. But he had to be on the run because Saul wanted to take his life. Also, the Philistines still wanted to take his life. He had so many enemies. So David is used to the wilderness. He knows about the wilderness, we have to learn as Christians and as, as in our lives that there's going to be times. There's going to be times where we're going to, we're going to be in the desert. Um, so we, we know this. And, uh, we, knew, we know that David, he knew how to face adversity and heartache in his life. And during these wilderness journeys, it's where he learned, he, he learned to trust the Lord. So let's read verse 1 again. And, and, and let's talk about something. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What is David saying here? He's, first of all, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Church, do you know that? Do you know that for yourself? 
Do you acknowledge that there is a God? Do you know him? Do you know him? David knows him right here in his present situation. It's not good. His son's trying to kill him. He's out in the desert. Everybody's hungry. There was about six to 800 more people with him. It ain't just David. He had to flee, and he took his family and took some of his army with him. So, I mean, he, he knows this. He's in a bad situation, but he knows in this situation that God is God. He says, oh, God, you are my God. Not some idol, not some golden wooden or some kind of something made up like that. Not some kind of, not some kind of God of, uh, of uh, somebody who doesn't believe in God at all. And not some that, nah, there's, it must not, there must not be no God because if there was a God, he wouldn't put me in this situation. He's talking about the real God, the real personal God. He knew him personally. Not only did he know him in his present situation, he had a personal relationship with him. Wasn't far off. He was right there. David knew the Lord, and he knew him in a personal and intimate way. How about you? Let's go ahead and hit it quick. Everybody always waits to the end of a sermon. How about you this morning? Do you know Jesus? Do you know God? Do you know that he came to this earth to save you from your sins, to give you that opportunity? That we, listen, at, at the beginning of time, when the serpent deceived us in the, in, in the Garden of Eden, we inherited that sinful nature from Adam. None of us are righteous. There's nothing, y'all, there's nothing we can do that's going to please him enough or no way we can be perfect enough that we can get to heaven. But God loves us so much, you know, he loves us so much that he was willing to give up his son, the only perfect sacrifice that could be given to atone for our sins. He's a just God. That's what had to be done. I want you to ask you, do you know it without a shadow of a doubt in your life? Do you know it? Is, oh God, you are my God. Has it happened in your life? Also in this, God is, is, is he knows him presently, you know, and he, and he knows him personally. But also he's, in this verse, he's showing that God is his priority. God is his priority in life. He says, earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Earnestly means diligently. It means I'm coming at you. I'm coming at you hard with it. I'm trying to find you with all that I have. It also means, uh, in one of the Hebrew words, it means early. It means early. It was his priority, David's was, early in the morning. When he got up, first thing he did, he went and prayed to God. He went to the sanctuary. Back when he was in Jerusalem, the sanctuary was close to his palace, and he was there every day. When he opened his eyes, he thought of God. I'm going to be honest with y'all. It's what, over the last six years of my life, is the first thing I do when my eyes is open. I got two blessings. Both my eyes open, I can see, and God's given me another day to serve him. And that's, that's where I'm asking, are you there? What, what are you doing early in the morning? What are you doing? What, what is your first, what's your first thought? What's your first desire in your heart when you wake up? Now, I know some of us go to work at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying when we rise is your thoughts on God. You can meditate on his word anytime during the day. You can, uh, uh, you know, get with groups and hold people accountable and things like that. Those are all great. But 
what I just want to really stress, and I'm not being legalistic here, but is he a priority? He, is he the priority in our lives? David wanted him to, to, to feel, fill him with his presence. He did. Do you? Do you want, I mean, not just know him as God and not just pray to him, but do you want God to just, just fill you up, just, just overfill you? Do you? He thirsted for the Lord. He longed for him is what the verse says. He says that, that his body, y'all, he says, my flesh faints for you. But here it is, all of me, God. All of me, take all of me. Because God, I want all of you. That's what this is saying here. And that's what it is just so awesome. Just so awesome. Do you desire him? I wonder if we really do a lot of times. Do we truly desire God? I, I tell you a story. I had a buddy. Um, he used to train, train all sorts of dogs, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, Doman Pinchers. His name was Travis. He's gone on now to be with the Lord. But, but um, uh, I love Travis. Man, he was an awesome guy. But he, could, he, he had just a way of he knew what to do with a dog. He could do it. And so one day I was, I was out at Travis's, and, and a couple of guys pulled up. And uh, they get out in the car, and Travis said, can I help you? And one of the fellows said, yes. He said, uh, we have a desire to buy an attack dog. Travis said, an attack dog? He said, yeah, we want to buy an attack dog. He said, well, why, why do you want an attack dog? He said, well, we got some stuff, and we got a, we got a, a car junkyard, and he said, there's some kids and stuff getting in there, and they just taking stuff, and we want us an attack dog. Travis said, no, I don't, I don't believe you want a attack dog. He said, you want a guard dog. The fellow said, oh, no, 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 we want an attack dog. Travis said, are you sure you want an attack dog? He said, yeah. He said, well, you better get to your car. Damien Satan, that was the name of his two Rottweiler. Sorry, but that's the guy's honest truth. Get him, or whatever he did. They just got back in the car before those two Rottweilers had him. Y'all, one of the Rottweilers was standing on the hood <laughs> I mean, just getting it coming, slobber going all over the windshield. The other one was was on the uh, on the on the on the driver's side door, just up, just snarling, barking, ready. I mean, ready to get them. The guy cracked the window. He said, "I believe you're right. I think we only do want a guard dog." So, but I do. I wonder. I wonder. Do we desire God? You know, just like those guys, they thought they desired something, but they really didn't. They wanted something else. And I think we as a church, a lot of times, that's what we do. You know, we, we don't want to come to church every Sunday. We don't. We, uh, and when we do, we just want to come for an hour, right? Let's come for an hour. Let's just say a little prayer where we can get back home. We can watch NASCAR, and I can rest up and get ready for the American dream on Monday where I can go make that money so I can keep my wife happy and so I can buy the stuff that I need and where I can go get that drink, to drink that drink, to go to that party and do those kind of things. We don't desire him. We don't desire him. We put our desires in worldly things, in everything that the world can give us. And hey, there's nothing wrong with those things as long as they're not taking the place of, oh God, my God. But they do so many times. It happens to me. It happens to all of us at times. But until we realize that, that in all we do, glorify God, then it's sin. And then we're not desiring what we need to desire, and we're not where we need to be. I love seeing desiring people. If y'all don't know it, I cry. But anyway, 
Y'all, this is July the 4th. I'm going to tell y'all a story. Always seems like either I'm, I'm talking about drinking and drugging or I'm talking about my wife. People, why, why are you always talking about drinking and drugging and your wife and Jesus? I said, because that's all I know. That's all I know. It's the testimony that God's given me. So I'm just going to keep preaching it until he puts something else in me. But on July the 4th, me and my son, Liam, my youngest son, Liam, he, he likes to find out things I did when I was little. You know, and, and he, Daddy, you had hogs when you was little. Yes, I did, buddy. Daddy, owned me some hogs. Well, guess what? We got hogs. So we were building a pen for the hogs, and, uh, and, so, and so we built it. You know, and I, I text Jennifer, and I said, hey, hey, bring us a sweet one down here. Jennifer likes Diet Dr. Peppers. That's the sweet one. So anyway, uh, that sounded pretty good, didn't it? So, but, but, but that's, her favorite, that's her favorite soft drink. So I said, bring us a sweet one down here or, 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 or a bottle of water. Me and Liam need something to drink, you know. Well, in just a few minutes, I look, and here she comes. She's pulling a cooler with wheels on it, coming down to the barn. I said, good gracious. I got to thinking about some July the 4th about eight years prior, you know. But she come down there, and we had a cold drink, and we were talking. And she goes, I got to go, I got to go. I said, what is it? She said, well, I'm doing my Bible study, and I got to get back to it. I was like, well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So me and Liam, we stayed down there, and we drank our cold drink. We just kept watching those hogs, you know, and just... Just looking at him, God started speaking to me. He started, he started hitting me because I remember, I remember when I was that prodigal son. I remember when I was in the pig. <laughs> but now I get to watch him. <laughs> and my son is with me. And we're looking at him and, and all that. And so we did that for a little while. And I was, just, I was just praising Jesus in my heart about it and getting to spend time with my son. And we walked back up to the house. And on the, on the back patio, Jennifer's sitting there doing her Bible study. And I sat down, and we chatted just a minute, and she just kept, she was actually, she was ignoring me, what she was doing. She was all into it. And an hour went by, I'm sitting there watching my kids play in the backyard. I got a brisket going on the grill, you know, and, uh, and Jennifer's still in her Bible study. She's still in her Bible. Hey, three or four hours later, that brisket's still on the smoker, and she's still in that Bible study. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a little bit of my flesh started peeping up. Man, it's July the 4th. You're going to study about God all day? You know, we got young as we want to do something. It did. But, and, and that was wrong. And God hit me right then. He hit me and said, look what she's doing. And I got to thinking. I got to thinking about back years when I was wondering with, if she was going to study. When God had changed my life. And, and, and things weren't quite there. She was still mad. She was still angry at me. And she didn't understand that God had changed me. And but now, my wife's sitting on the patio getting filled up because she desires God and what he's got to give. And as we do that, as, as, as we look for him as our desire and he starts to fill us, that's when God uses us to take what he's filling us with as it overflows and gives to others. And that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Verse 2 and 3, it says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. Think back. David was out in the wilderness, but he started thinking back to the sanctuary. Now, back in the Old Testament days, there was the, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and it was kept in a sanctuary or a temple. This was a, a tented place. David wanted to build a temple, but God said, no, you can't build the temple because um, there's blood on your hands. 
but one day you will have a son that builds a temple. So the ark was kept. That's where God's presence was in the temple. And he's, I mean, in the sanctuary. So he's thinking back when he's been in that sanctuary where he's seen God, where he's been in God's presence, and he's longing for that. And um, so, but, he, but, but he's out in the wilderness. But he also realizes, too, that, that, you know, God's there. You know, God's there, that he can pray to him and, and all that. And, and it's, it's, I look upon you in the sanctuary, but holding your power and glory. He's remembering when he first came to know God. And I think that's something we need to remember as we're pursuing him. When we get in those deserts, when we get in those bad spots in life, when we get in those where you just don't know if you can go on, we have to go back. Go back to your salvation. Go back to that day of salvation because, y'all, the desert isn't such a bad place to be. It isn't. It's Moses found him, didn't he? Moses found him in the desert. Elijah found him in the desert, y'all. And David found him in the desert. I found him in the desert of my life too, right in my driveway. Believe it or not, that can be a desert. But the desert was a good place because that's where I got to release all my hurt and I got to release all my pain and I got to repent of what I had been doing for 26 years of my life and Jesus healed it, Jesus forgave it, and Jesus forgot it and now my desire is for him. And it can be the same for us too. I hope it is for you. I hope it is for you. God's love is better than life, is what he's saying. David didn't know if he was coming back. Actually, they had brought the Ark of the Covenant with them on, the, on this journey. And David said, no, you got to take it back. Take it back to Jerusalem. That's where it needs to be. Take it back. If God sees fit, I'll be back, basically is what he was saying. If, God's, if not, then it's where it needs to be. He's saying that it's better than life. I'm telling you, <clears throat> we cannot truly live, y'all. We cannot truly live until we are willing to die. Die to ourselves, give our bodies, our whole lives to Jesus Christ. Until we understand that, we cannot fully understand the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of what God has in store for us. When we're willing to give it all, and let's say it does happen, if I don't make it home after this service, I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus there's no better place. There is no better place. No better place. Did David ask during this, in any, any time in this song that he's singing and praying, did he ask God to, God, give me my palace back? Did he say, you know, God, let's, you know, <clears throat> make sure my wives are okay. Make sure the 10 concubines that I had to leave behind for them to look after the palace. Be sure they are. No, he didn't. He just focused on God. And we, when we get in these situations, when we get no matter what's going on, if we will turn our focus to him instead of our circumstance, then we're going to come out better on the other side. We always will. We always will. Y'all, I'd rather spend 100 days. Woo-wee. I would rather spend 100 days in the desert with God than one day on the outside in this world, in this mirage that we live in that ain't true. I really would. I really would. Let's read verse 4. It says, So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. David says he will praise God. That's, that's a very important part. We need to be praising God. We need to praise God as, as, long, as long as we're alive, as long as we just stay connected with that heart and that soul 
of what he has. David was heart and soul. David has signed a covenant. How about y'all? Have you been through heart and soul? Have you been through heart and soul here at the church? Have you signed the covenant? Are you in with what God has in store for Connection Church in this community? For Statesboro, for Millen, for Dublin, for Vidalia, and wherever else he takes us. Are you heart and soul? Are you in? David was. We need to be heart and soul because we're going to have those hardships and difficulties, and it's something that we're all going to have to face. Y'all, our lives can change can change in an instant. They can't. I'm going to share this. Um, so thankful for children. So thankful for children. Jennifer and I, we, we, lost, we lost a son one time. Jennifer was six, seven months pregnant, and, 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 and we lost. We lost our son. I, I couldn't understand it. It was a time in my life where I wasn't following God. I was out doing my own thing. And, but I could feel God's presence in that hospital. I could feel God's presence in our room, and, and I just got mad. He was, he was drawing me to him, but I was so mad that I ran from there. I ran from that, and I blamed him. You know, how could, how, how, could, how, could you, how could you do this? How could you do this? I mean, my wife, we wanted that baby. We wanted our son, Jesse. We wanted him. And it took me a long time. It took me a long time. And that night in my driveway, that was part of what I unleashed and asked God to forgive me for. And God explained to me, our son didn't have to worry about what's going on in this world. He never had to experience that. He never had to experience crying and heartache and any of that. Our son is in heaven. He's in heaven with Jesus and I know Jesus has got him cradled. And that's the hope. That's the hope. And that's why I want to follow him because I know after we're gone, there is an eternity. And there's either eternity with him or there's eternity away from him. And I know our son is with him. And I'm just so thankful for that. And I'm so glad, so glad that God let me release that and he gave that to me so I didn't have to tote that awful, awful burden any longer, any longer. It's what makes us fully satisfied. In verse 5, it says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I want to praise God to you. I want to praise him. What he's talking about here, he's talking about the fat. Back then, there were sacrifices. You know, there were the animal sacrifices. Humans, they didn't get the fat. They didn't get the fat. There wasn't no cholesterol going on back then because you didn't get the fat. The fat was reserved for God. The fat was placed on the altar and burnt that sweet smell that, like I was cooking that brisket the other day. It was put on, it was put on the altar. It was put on the altar, altar for God. And, and, and what David is saying here is he's like, he's satisfied. He's satisfied in just, is satisfied in just knowing God, just knowing God. Verse 6, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. In the watches of the night. David's like, listen, I can't even sleep sometimes at night. Does God ever wake you up? You ever get up, toss and turn, can't go to sleep? Let me tell you what I do. I usually get up, and what I found that helps instead of just tossing and turning, I get up and get me three little Debbie cakes and get my Bible. 
Boy, I'm telling you, that'll just, that'll cheer everything. It real. Not really the little, well, I don't know, the little divvy cakes is pretty good. But I do, you get up, you read your, you read your Bible, you start talking to him, you start, you start having that fellowship. You start having that fellowship. Always remember that. Keep, keep in constant, even during the night. 20, when we wake up, when we go to bed, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going with God. Let's keep it going with God. Verses 7 through 10, it says, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Did you sing for joy this morning? We heard Drew talk about it. You know, he, we put up Psalm 63 up there this morning. Are you singing for joy? Do you have a joyful heart? Does your soul want to cling to God? What this is referencing, and your right hand is upon me. What this is referencing to is David was a shepherd. David remember when the sheep used to follow him, and that's what David's doing. He's wanting to cling to God. He's clinging to God. If I follow God, I know I can't go wrong. And he's also saying, your right hand upholds me. It upholds me. In other words, you got my best interest. God's got your best interest intact. In he's got it. He's got it. He will do it. He will do it. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. A lot of people read this and go, man, what's David's praying for God to, to kill his enemies. I think more so than, than that is that David realizes that, that, that there's a commitment here from God and that God wants to help him. God wants to help us, y'all. He wants to help us through these deserts. He wants to help us when these bad things are going on. He wants to help us when we don't know if, if, if our youngins are going to do the right thing. He wants to help us when, when that spouse walks out the door for no reason. He wants to help us turn loose of the drugs and the alcohol. He wants to help us when sin gets control of our lives and we mess up. When we do immoral things, do things that hurt the ones we love, say the wrong thing. God wants to be there in that desert and help us. David didn't always understand it, maybe, what was going on, but he knew as long as he had breath in his body, he was determined to praise God. How about us? Every one of us this morning, our hearts are beating in here. Are you wanting to praise God? Can we praise God? Are you facing a wilderness? Are you in need of help this morning? Is there anybody that needs to say, oh God, you are my God. That's what I'm asking this morning. In many things, not just in salvation, but that's what we want to ask first. Is there anyone here this morning, what we do at Connection, like I told them a couple weeks ago, we, we're going to do several things loud. We're going to preach loud, as y'all can tell. We're going to sing loud. And we're going to celebrate loud when someone comes to know the Lord. You may have goosebumps. You may have a weird feeling. But I'm telling you, if God is your God, if you desired that this morning and he is speaking to your heart, it's worth it. It is so worth it. It's the most 
and only true important decision you'll ever make in your life. Is there anybody this morning that says, I need Jesus, but I want him in my life? You can just slip up your hand. We want to celebrate with you. All right. Well, how about the rest of us? Do we need to cry out? Do we need to cry out to him, oh God, my God? Do we need to come before him and say, God, listen, I hadn't. I ain't desired you like I ought to. I don't put you first in my life always. God, I want to repent of that. Dear God, I'm, sometimes I admit I'm not fully satisfied with you. I'm not fully satisfied that your grace is sufficient for me. I admit that. Dear Lord, I want to rejoice in you, but dear Lord, I, I need commitment within my own heart. I need to commit to that. I need to commit to that. I just want you right where you are, you know. Just think about those things. Think about the true God that we have, Jesus Christ, who redeems, he heals, he saves, gives us all we need, no matter what our situation is, no matter what desert, no matter what mirage, no matter what lie we're living, he's there and he's ready to bring us from it. When you're in that desert, I just ask you to cry out to him and also remember, it's not such a bad place all the time. God's gonna use it to grow you. I know he did me in my life. I know he has several that I've talked to in here in their life. I'm gonna pray and we'll get out of here. What I want to ask you to do, we'll just all bow our heads. If there's something <clears throat> that's on your heart, that's on your mind, as you bow your heads, you just, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you specifically. If you want to come up, we're going to just be playing some soft, good music. If you want to come up to this altar and lay something down, lay it down. We have a prayer team, and we want to pray with you. Just let us know. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Oh, God, you are my God. Dear God, you are our God. And dear Lord, even now, as we go to leave this place, dear Lord, we earnestly seek you. Dear Lord, we ask that our souls thirst for you more, God. Let us thirst more for you. Dear Lord, let us remember our day of salvation. Let us always go back and rejoice and praise your name in that, dear Lord. Dear Lord, in those sleepless nights, dear Lord, let us remember who you are. Dear Lord, let us draw closer to you. Dear Lord, let us read some scripture. Dear Lord, let us, God, just touch our hearts in a new and profound way, dear God. Dear Lord, we want to cling to you. God, I want to cling to you. Let my grip never slip again, God. Never slip again. Let me hold on to you tight. Be with each and every one in this room, dear Lord, that we may be committed to you. And dear Lord, as our cup just overflows, dear Lord, that we're able to share with others. 
Y'all keep your head bowed. God's just hitting me with something. And I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to say amen. I was telling y'all about 2 Samuel in, in verses 15, I mean, chapters 15 through 18, and God just hit me with this. It says in chapter 16, it says, When David had passed a little beyond the summit, that was in the mountains when he was coming out, it said, Zibia, the servant of Mesabeth, met him with a couple of donkeys saddled bearing 200 loaves of bread, 100 bunches of raisins, and 100 of summer fruits and skins of wine. And David said to Zeba, Why have you brought these? Zeba answered, The donkeys of the king's household to ride on. The bread and summer fruit are for the young men to eat, and the wine is for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. Then over at the end of 17, it says, When David, this is after he comes through the wilderness, it says, When David came to Mahanim, Shobah, the son of Nasha, from Rabbi of the Arminiarites, and Micah, the son of Amelia, from Ledabar, and Brazilla of Galiliadate. I cannot pronounce these right, but y'all get the gist. It said he brought, they brought beds. They brought basins and, earth, and earthen vessels. They brought wheat. They brought barley. They brought flour. They brought parched grains. They brought beans. They brought lentils, honey, and curds, and sheep, and cheese for David and the people. For them to eat. They said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty from the wilderness. <laughs> Dear God, as I pray this prayer, is you was bringing David out. You had people there, God. You had people there to provide what they needed to get through the wilderness. Dear God, and as they were coming out of the wilderness, dear Lord, you had people there to give them all that they needed everything we must remember dear God please help us remember us as Christians when someone's coming out of into or out of the desert God let us be there dear Lord tune our hearts into that this week tune us in that we may share your love with someone else dear Lord that we may open ourselves up that we will be transparent with them that we will let them know that oh God you are my God and share that with them Dear Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.